Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show today. We have an all-new Nissan Rogue to talk about. Now I know it's another SUV, blah, 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 I've heard it all before. But, Nissan hasn't had... At the very least, to me, a properly new model and certainly a properly new Rogue in a while here. And considering Nissan's been in a bit of trouble, it's a little bit interesting to see that they're still trying to go and still trying to innovate. So let's see, let's see what Nissan decided to change for this all-new Rogue outside of the face. Nissan's brand new Rogue slash X-Trail crossover promises to be safer and more practical than ever before, building on an already successful recipe. The old model actually stood as America's third best-selling crossover last year in its segment. Still, Nissan knew they couldn't just do more of the same with this new generation, and they decided to give it a more distinct appearance while also improving interior comfort and modern onboard technology. In terms of design, we already showed you what the 2021 Rogue will look like last week. As expected, it comes with a more characterful, less bland exterior that sports a double V-motion grille flanked by split headlights, a floating roof, again, that can be had in a contrasting black shade and door-mounted mirrors. What we didn't know is that the new Rogue is actually more compact now, with a 0.1-inch or 2.54mm shorter wheelbase, a 2.1-inch or 53.3mm shorter roof, and bumpers that are closer together by 1.7 inches or 43.2 millimeters. If you guys recall, this is actually the second time a car has shrunk in size, although not by that much, because the Opel Maca that we just did, apparently that has also shrunk from the previous version. I think that was the one anyway. No, it was the Envision. I think the Envision was the one that got smaller. Either way, this is the second car that's gotten smaller. So, hey, I could be wrong, I probably am, but let's call it here. Maybe cars are getting smaller again. I sure hope so. Based on a revamped version of Nissan's CMF-CD architecture, the new Rogue is clearly more about attracting families than individual drivers that happen to fancy compact crossovers. Still, the 2021 Rogue should feel more engaging to drive than its predecessor, seeing as how the steering ratio has been quickened and the powertrain-slash-suspension cradles four rubber-isolated mounts... Oh wait, no. The steering ratio has been quickened and the powertrain-slash-suspension cradles... Four rubber isolated mounts were replaced by six rigid ones. Okay, bit of a weird structure to that sentence. The carmaker also revised the rear multi-link suspension. But is more compact good? On the outside, yes. Despite its shorter wheelbase, the 2021 Rogue is roomier in the back, featuring an extra 0.6 inches of legroom and, and 0.7 inches of headroom. What you don't have anymore is a third seating row, which means you also don't have the old model's second row sliding seat function. Even though you get less cargo room now, 36.5 cubic feet instead of 39.3, not insignificant that, you also get more space with the rear seats folded, 74.1 cubic feet instead of 70 cubic feet, while the tailgate opening is larger and more square than with its predecessor. Here are some exact interior dimensions for a base model 2020, 2021 Rogue. Front headroom has 41.1 inches of headroom. Front hip room has 54.1 inches. Front leg room is 41.5 inches. Front shoulder room is 57.1 inches. Rear headroom is 39.2 inches. Rear hip room is, is 53.4 inches. Rear leg room is 38.5 inches. Rear shoulder room is 55.9 inches. Front passenger space is 56.4 cubic feet. Rear passenger space is 49. 
48.9 cubic feet and total passenger space is 105.2 cubic feet. Also, with the seats up or down, the 2021 Rogue offers the third best cargo capacity in its segment behind the Honda CRV and Toyota RAV4. So what we're already seeing here is that instead of going for a sportier, a sportier appearance, although the driving dynamics certainly seem to go to the more sport end of the spectrum, it seems that Nissan is kind of returning, or at the very least has added, more utility in some areas than the prior, than the prior generation specifically with the rear seats folded down and with the larger what was it with the larger tailgate opening where is that oh yeah and the tailgate opening is larger both all of that is good i'm not saying that i'm not pointing that out to say that it's a bad thing no that's actually good it's a sport utility vehicle it should have more utility and it's certainly more utility than the than the car that came before it so having a larger tailgate opening is something i'm quite happy to see smarter and safer than ever you can have a standard 8-inch infotainment screen on your all-new Rogue with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, while a higher-res 9-inch display is available as an optional extra. The latter features built-in sat-nav and can be had with the SL Premium Package and the Platinum Trim. There is also a bigger gauge cluster as standard, now 7 inches instead of 5, while the 12.3-inch fully digital cockpit is reserved for Platinum models just like the 10.8-inch color heads-up display. Meanwhile, the center console houses a small electronics shifter, where you'll also find USB-A and USB-C ports. If you want the best Rogue money you can buy, go for the new flagship Platinum spec with its semi-anti-line leather, diamond-quilted, no, diamond-quilting and exclusive tan color. It also comes with Pro Pilot Assist, with NaviLink, wireless Apple CarPlay, a QI, or QI, probably a QI wireless charging pad, 10 speaker Bose system, ambient lighting, and more. Lower grades such as SL and SV get 19-inch wheels, leather seats, panoramic roof, and hands-free tailgate as standard in the former, and 18-inch wheels with a more basic ProPilot Assist for the latter. Speaking of the latest ProPilot Assist system, it comes with a longer-range radar and wider field-of-view camera. It can also detect pedestrians and improve the car's on-center feel thanks to its updated lane-following assist. Also new is the Vehicle Motion Control System, which works in conjunction with the available Enhanced All-Wheel Drive System and Drive Mode Selector to provide four-wheel individual control, thus enhancing cornering capability. This is technology that does what a human can't, said Nissan USA R&D Executive Chris Reed. The all-new Vehicle Motion Control predicts what the driver is trying to do by monitoring steering, acceleration, and braking. It can then step in to help to smooth things out. What about performance? Maybe performance isn't the proper term here. Power comes from Nissan's new PR25DD naturally aspirated 2.5 liter 4-pot made it to a CVT that was introduced in the 2019 Altima. It produces 181 horsepower and 181 pound-feet of torque, offering an EPA city-highway combined fuel economy of 26, 27, and 34, and 34 respectively, as well as 35, 29, to 30 MPG. And there is a few metric here, but there's kind of a lot there. So, not going to go through it. For front-wheel drive models, you get 25 to 26, 32 to 33, and 28 to 29 MPG. No, no, no. The prior was for that. The 26 and 27, and the 25, 26, 32, 33, and 28, 29 MPG is for the all-wheel drive variants. According to Motor Trend, the 2021 Rogue offers the worst towing capacity in its class, rated at 1,350 pounds, or 612 kilograms. That is very poor. 
The 2021 Nissan Rogue goes on sale at Nissan dealerships nationwide this fall, boasting a wide range of color combinations, including five two-tone combos. Okay, not, not too bad. So, the looks. And you know what? Let's Hold on, let's get the photo, photo galleries here going. I'm starting... I'm starting to warm up to Nissan's new design language. At the very least, I actually like it on the new Rogue. I still think it's strange, but it's, again, as I said with the 4 Series, and as I said with the Envision, it's unique. It's quite Nissan. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure it's always Nissan, but as of now, I could see this becoming a very distinct design, design language that they might keep around for a little while here. Maybe they'll evolve it. It's sort of like how Mazda has their Komodo design and its and its unique design details. I think at the very least on the Rogue, it works and it works quite a lot. It looks good. It looks really, really good. And the interior actually looks even better still. Now, I think the photo that I'm looking at is the Platinum or one of the higher trim levels. But as a higher trim level, at the very least from the look of the materials, I like it a lot. The tan is nice and vibrant. I think that's my favorite part so far. The HVAC functions... Not bad, maybe there's a few buttons here and there, but... I mean, there is, they have redundant controls, but... I'm not liking the location, but it's not too cluttered. That's what I'm getting at, is it's not too cluttered. The touchscreen does stick out on top of the dash, as it does for most cars these days, but... It's not too bad, it's still low enough to keep to keep at the top of the dash line. The gauge cluster I'm not a fan of... Not because it's a screen, but mostly because... To me, it's kind of a square block that they plumped into the gauge cluster area. Sort of what BMW's been doing these days. The the gear selector itself is electronic, but it looks really strange. Really, really strange. I'd have to see the operation itself. It's it's not a rotary, but uh, it's so hard to explain. It's you know how when you slide a mouse on a pad, it looks like it looks like a mouse for selecting gears, and it just slides on this aluminum plate. It's a very, very strange design. I'm not going to call it bad, because I don't know how it functions, but visually, it is a very, very strange look. But getting back to the materials, though, I quite like it. You have all your window window control functions for your, for your side mirrors. I like that. I like the way the tan wraps around that area of the dash. Overall, I think it's really, really nice. Perhaps not as good as Mazda, but not bad. Oh, yeah. I keep looking at this gear selector, and yeah, it's basically... Imagine a normal gear selector, not a rotary, a normal one, but then it not having any gates or anything, and it just sliding around like a mouse on a pad. That's what it looks like. It's so odd. I'm going to have to wait and see how that functions, but I'm going to reserve, I'm going to try to reserve as much judgment as possible, but all I'm going to say is it's a very weird look. That towing capacity, though, that is a shame. It's, you know, it's interesting because... I've long since held the belief that proper SUVs like Durango's, Tahoe's, Explorers, and Expeditions are meant for the kind of buyers who want to be able to tow ATVs, snowmobiles, boats. Those with their higher towing capacities, they're meant for a more heavy-duty, outdoorsy kind of buyer. And that these normal crossovers like Journeys, Rogues, CX-5s are meant for the kind of people who want to go biking, kayaking, and that sort of thing. And you can kind of tell even in their marketing that that's sort of the group they're aiming they're aiming at but really a towing capacity that's about on par with a handful of compacts i would say these days but i don't know what the compact towing capacity or what the towing capacity for most compact cars is these days but most proper suvs have a towing have a minimum towing capacity of at least 4000 pounds and then get up into the 6 and 7000 pounds 
The fact that what is essentially a crossover can't, can barely manage a thousand is really quite sad. Because I even remember the old Magnum from, I think, 2004 to somewhere to 2007 had a towing package and you, and you could tow about 4,000 pounds with that. At least 3,000. So the fact that this crossover can't even tow that much is really quite a shame to me. It's really, that's just, it's so, so odd to me. Cause, and, and for a while, it made sense to me. But at the very least, on the CUV front, most of those CUVs had glorified car chassis or hatchback chassis. So, you know, no wonder they didn't have better towing capacities because their, their base architecture was the same as a normal car. And a normal car wasn't meant to have a better towing capacity. But what about this new Rogue? What is it? What architecture is it? Run well, we know what architecture it's running on. I just don't know what other cars are on it. Let's look that. Let's look that up right now. Okay, so it's on the CMF CD platform, and C CMF Common Modular Family has four segments. So you have Common Modular A, which is small fuel-efficient vehicles, particularly in high-growth markets. So that'd probably be things like your Versa, your Sentra, that sort of thing. CMF D, mid-sized vehicles, Altima, Maxima, that kind of thing. You have CMF EV for electric vehicles, and then you have CMF C slash D, which is for larger vehicles, including many CUV uh, SUVs and crossovers. So the new Rogue, as we talked about, is on the CMF CD platform. And I remember I was on Alpar a while ago, and they every now and then they'll they'll talk about how modern how modern car architectures are actually designed and or and or platforms. And so it essentially boiled down to this. And I you know I think I should make a pie I should you know seek out an engineer to get a an easier answer, but basically Cars aren't really made the way that they used to be in platforms anymore. Archi architectures as they are now, from what I understand currently, and this could be outdated, they're basically just a set of hard points. So it's not like, let's say the Viper architecture, right? And let's say the VLF Force 1, with it, because that's a coach-built car. That would be a platform. The K-car platform, it, uh, that would be... A, a platform, so a floor plan and that sort of thing. Architectures now aren't necessarily floor plans and things like that. Again, they're just a set of architectures, I think some suspension geometries, and things like that. They're basically a handful of plug-and-play items. So, oh, we need this suspension component. Well, we can get that. We need this cross member. We can get that. It's not like a, oh, we have a platform that has specific seat mount, seat mount, locations and things like that it's more more like i guess lego let's say lego bricks so let's say you had a police set and you had the you had the garage area so you took the garage area from one set you took the office from another set and you took the i don't know the jail from one set and then you combine them all together right and then you modified them so that they fit coherently that seems to be how modern chassis are designed I'll have to get a more accurate, I'll have to get a proper engineer on the podcast so we can get a more accurate description of what modern, as someone said, platitecture design is actually like. So that's the, that's the CMF slash C slash D is the platform the new Rogue is on. So I still have to ask, in the case that it's a sort of collection of plug and play items, why couldn't Nissan increase the strength of those plug and play items? so that they could get higher a higher towing capacity of and i'm not asking for much i'm asking for at least up to personally three thousand pounds but i'd even settle for two and a you know two and a quarter thousand pounds but one thousand three hundred and fifty is kind of pitiful for a crossover that's 
And it's not, now here's the thing, that's not uncommon for the segment, but it's pitiful that the entire segment is as low as it is right now. But getting back to the looks, yeah, you know, I, at the very least from the pictures, I don't dislike it. I think it looks good. I think this is probably the best implic the best application of Nissan's current design language. It seems to me to fit the best, and it seems to be the least awkward looking. I don't think we have a price for it yet, though. I'd expect maybe $25,000. i would be surprised if it got up into the 30000 but Nissan has some cars lower in the model range that might fit that might fit that price range. I'll tell you what though, near the near the C pillar, the car's got a bit of a it's got a bit of a hip there, a bit of a haunch that I quite like. Adds a bit of muscularity to it. Some it adds a little bit of ruggedness, but not that much. But anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, then please like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Hitting a little notification bell and all notifications. That way you'll be notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, well then just boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to, obviously, before you set off. I'll see you all next time. Hope you enjoyed. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.